The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We've got 15 running backs off the board in the first two rounds. We've got 19 running backs off the board in the first three rounds, according to current average draft position on NFC. And Tears Week continues here with running backs. Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings once again. Heath, though, is not really interested in talking about running backs. He wants to just talk about Scott Fishbowl. He must have a great team. So we will be comparing our Scott Fishbowl teams. Uh, We're having a fishing contest, I guess, Uh, comparing our teams through however many rounds we're at. What's up, guys? Good I afternoon. thought it fit with the theme of Tears Week because when you hear about Dave and our my team, you're going to have tears because yours is so bad. Yeah, uh, that's right. Or people, the audience will be in tears, laughing at how bad my team is. Um, you know, remember I told you on the previous show that I had a pick skipped. That I think yes, I you? yes. Uh, no, but I you should know that I probably would have taken a third New York Giant with that pick. He was then taken after I missed the pick, so it probably was a good thing. It saved me from having three giants on my team. So w- when when it skips a pick, you don't get to make that pick at all. You do, but by the time I I was notified that I missed the pick, like five other players had been off the board. I see. That's fair. Yeah, I'm glad, them, I'm glad you didn't just like straight up miss the pick. No, no, I got it. I was gonna take Evan Ingram probably, but he he was selected. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Okay, so let me ask you a tears question here. When do you see in your mind the first big drop off at running back? I will say the drop off happens when you go into the fifth tier. I think there are four solid tiers, chock full of running backs that have potential of anywhere from uh, 1,106 touchdowns to 2,015 touchdowns. And so some of the names here. Um, so for you, it's like Chris Carson, Gaskin, ETN, Jacobs, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt. That's the end of tier yep. four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, that, Michael Carter, most about 25 names for me. How about you, Heath? Here's the thing, because I'm looking at this from a, like in terms of where people are drafted, we're obviously going to take a bunch of running backs at the start. And so it doesn't seem like maybe there's a tier at the start. But looking at it just in terms of PPR projections, I hear that. <laughs> no, he, um, he doesn't like PPR. Just dog. in terms of PPR projections, like there's two tiers in the first three picks. There's a bigger difference for me between K- Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara at number three than there is between Kamara and Kareem Hunt at number 24. Oh, I yeah. Actually, that that kind of makes sense. 
but isn't there isn't it like three tier? Isn't McCaffrey a tier, then Cook a tier? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like if I was and I, I won't do this whenever I, I probably will actually just do to it. illustrate it. Tier one is Christian McCaffrey. Tier two is Dalvin Cook. <laughs> then we can get into tiers. Okay. Like maybe we have like a super tier and super the super tiers, and then we can call tier one C the other first round picks. Okay. I, I like where I like where you're going with that. Dave, you see him less. Dave, Dave is so mad he's out of the picture. Yeah, I've I've got things going on in my house right now, so I missed a hundred percent of what Heath just said. Oh, he was just barking loudly, you know. Yeah, that's what my dog. Yeah, <laughs> sounds uh, like a lot with my dog when there's a knock at the front door. I'm ready for the pandemic to be over, everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go back and start doing podcasts again in the office. I was under the impression that everybody in Florida thought the pandemic was over. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so no, anyway, that is not the case. I uh, I don't know why I, I kind of like the round five and beyond running backs, like rounds five through eight. Oh, good. So we're 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 jumping into the running back dead zone area. That's that's not the entire th- group from rounds five through eight, but definitely in that round five range. And there are definitely running backs in round five through eight that I'm not going to be a fan of. Well, I'm not some saying of them are, I don't like everyone, upside, but you just got to be patient with them. I just think the group in general, you know, is uh, Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt, Miles Gaskin, James Robinson, Mike Davis. The bottom line is in this ADP, which is half PPR, Gaskin and Mike Davis are, are round five picks. In our drafts, they're usually round four picks. So that changes things quite a bit. Chase Edmonds, after the report we got last week, he's 67th in ADP. Melvin Gordon, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, Raheem Mostert. And now we're all, now we're pick 88 and it's Ronald Jones. Uh, just that overall group, you know, you've got Davis and Gaskin, you've got Kareem Hunt, you've got James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, Michael Carter, Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, who's behind Trey Sermon in ADP. Mm. I don't know. He kind of feels like like a good group, actually, but I may have felt that way about this group last year. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can look at, I'm looking at ADP from last year, too. We can compare the two, but I don't know. I see some opportunity there. Well, like, the thing is, it kind of depends on whether you're a Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin believer, right? It does it. Is it crazy to say I'm a believer in them in round five, but not in round four? Is it that it, much of a we've difference? Just, we've had this discussion. I do think it's a little bit crazy. Yes. Because um, I, I don't think there's actually that much difference, especially if you're talking about the end of round four and the beginning of round five. Now, we're not. Yeah. Their ADP has been more towards the end of round five. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a chance with Gaskin, Davis, Edmonds. Um, and then there are some secondary backs or rookie backs that have a chance to emerge. There's the Buffalo situation. Maybe one of them is good. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't dislike it as much as everyone else seems to. All right, we'll get into those tiers in a moment. So, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's talk about our uh, Scott Fishball teams. But, uh, Dave, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. You were on a vacation last week. Did you know that you became a hip-hop star? Over the last no, week. Oh, okay. did not know. Well, here you go. I don't think the Bills are suddenly going to become a run team. I think they're going to continue to lean on Josh Allen. I think Allen has learned how to throw an accurate football. We have got to make some type of music. I think Allen has learned how to throw an accurate football. That was awesome. 
awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was, we need to clip that. That's amazing. There you That's go. Incredible. Yes, let me look up the name of uh, the listener who made that. Give him his his credit. All right, Heath, what's your what round are you in, and who do you have on your team? I just made my round twelve and thirteen picks. Do you want me to go by position or by? Let's go by position. Yeah, position. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Okay, so my quarterback group: Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Justin Fields. Nice. Okay. My running backs are Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Zach Moss, and Devin Singletary. Oh, we have two of the same four running backs. I love it. All right. You've got the Bills covered. My wide receivers are A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Tyler Lockett, and Devontae Smith. Me oh oh my. Punting tight end? At tight end, I have Noah Fant and Blake Jorwin. Hey, all right. That's pretty good. That's a really good team. Yep. Way to go. Thanks. That's this. That's really the only reason I wanted to do this. Just yeah, that is this. a really good they, team. They good things yeah, yeah, yeah. Your receivers kick my receivers' butts. I've got better tight end. I think I've got better quarterbacks. Running backs are interesting. All right, here we go. So I had the one-on-one. I took my homes. Just figured a, a safe, solid pick, uh, and knowing that I would take chances with running backs later on. And then uh, Eckler in round two. My my running backs, my quarterbacks. I'm going to do the same way he did it. Mahomes, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. So only two teams worth of quarterbacks, but I'm covered through at least the first six weeks of the season. Uh, Running backs, Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, James Robinson, Daryl Williams. I like to think that I've got the Chiefs passing game and running game covered quite a bit. That's usually a good thing for fantasy. My receivers are risky. McLaurin, Claypool, Jamar Chase. Uh, Marquise Brown, Elijah Moore, Jalen Rager, tight ends. And this is where I definitely got Heath beat. Hawkinson, Irv Smith, Gronk. Yeah. Probably have Heath beat. I'm, I'm, envious, of I'm envious of Heath's receivers for sure. Yeah, oh, Heath's receivers. Well, I think a lot of people in Scott Fishbowl don't really value wide receiver that much. I, I Yeah, I, I took A.J. Brown at the end of the fourth round and Jeff, Justin Jefferson mm. in the fifth. Mm, yeah, That's unbelievable, the man. Thing that That's saved unbelievable. My, what saved my bacon was that um, I didn't take a second quarterback until round eight, mm. and I got Carr at the end of round eight and Fields at the beginning of round nine. I agree. That's, that's good. They that's went good earlier than that in most drafts. Mm-hmm. All right, I have Brady, Roethlisberger, and Daniel Jones. Dalvin Cook, who was the my my first pick in the fourth overall pick. Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Zach Moss, and Alexander Madison. McClor- yeah. Uh, McLaurin, Galladay, Pittman, and Hilton. Friendship strategy. Uh, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz. So when Zach Ertz gets traded to Buffalo, you're going to really like this team. I would like it a lot more if it got traded to Indianapolis. Then you've got all the Colts. I don't. I'm not going to rank Zach Ertz very high if he goes to Buffalo. They are dying to get production from their tight end. They could not have spoken about it more. They, they're lamenting how Travis Kelsey. Oh, you, we've got to have that kind of player. We got to have production from the tight end spot. It's a big year for Dawson Knox, but like they really, really want it. So I would, I would be, uh, be pretty interested. Where would you rather see him? You'd rather see him go to the Colts. How about you, Dave? I don't know if I'd like him to go to the Colts. I think it would make sense if he goes to the Colts, and he'd probably be productive there, but they like to use multiple tight ends. They like to use everybody that they have, and I'd be worried about the values of those other pass catchers in Indianapolis dropping, 
and I'd be worried about it too if we went to Buffalo. So I think I would rather prefer that the Indianapolis receivers see their values dip a little rather than Buffalo's receivers and mainly. Oh, it's Diggs. not going to dip Stefan Diggs's value. I hope not, but God forbid it, it ruins his touchdown potential. I don't think Zach Ertz is really that great of a player anymore. No, he can't separate from single coverage. I think I don't think defenses fear him at all. So I, I, I don't know if he'd even be that good, no matter where he went. Buffalo, Indy, wherever. I, I, I just don't, like I don't think the connection in Indy with the former coach and the former quarterback, and not very much competition from the wide receivers for targets. All right. Well, uh, we like that you like our podcast. And if you want to show us some support, please nominate us in the sports category for the People's Choice uh, Podcast Awards. We really appreciate everything that our listeners do for us. It means a lot to have you as part of our family, honestly. And uh, we'd love your help if you nominate us. We need enough nominations to advance to the final round. To nominate Fantasy Football today, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down to the sports category. We're going to we're going to include the link. Do you have a pet rooster, Dave? We're going to include the link to podcast awards at the top of the episode description. So uh, podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Please nominate us in the sports category. And into the running back tiers. Here we go. So if tier one, you missed this whole uh, interaction, Dave, but tier one could be McCaffrey. Tier two could be Cook by themselves. But if they aren't, you know, what is the first tier at running back, Dave? Uh, I've got a big first tier. These are guys that I think are worthy of first round picks. They're ranked as how I would take them, of course. Uh, McCaffrey and Cook are at the top for me in PPR. It's different in non-PPR. After those two, it's Kamara, Henry, Taylor, Saquon, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, and Austin Eckler. I think all of them are worthy of being first round picks. I think you can make the case for all of them to come into at least 1,800 total yards, if not 2,200 total yards. And uh, at least ten touchdowns for each one of them. I think the I think there's a path for every single one, and that's why they merit a first round pick. And that is in PPR: McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, Taylor, Barkley, Aaron Jones, Zeke, and Eckler. Uh, and that's in PPR. In non PPR, it's Kamara, Henry, Cook, Taylor, Kamara, fifth behind uh, Henry Cook and Taylor and obviously McCaffrey. Then Barkley, Nick Chubb gets in there in non PPR. Mm-hmm. Zeke, Aaron Jones, and then you've got Cam Akers and Najee Harris in your tier one, round one. How many running backs is that? 10? 11. 11? Okay. I think 11 of the first 12 picks in a non-PPR draft should be a running back. Um. Okay, Heath, do you see it differently? Well, yeah, I mean, I I would say, if, like, I would put McCaffrey in his own tier, and I think I, I have a pretty big difference between Dalvin and everybody else. But the other guy, like, it is a pretty big tier after that. I've got Kamara, Jones, Henry, Eckler, Elliott, Mixon, Taylor, and Barkley all in that order in it's, one tier. Those are the same names, right? I mean, I kind of missed them all as you were going. I through. didn't put Akers, Swift, or Chubbs in there, but they're, they're in the next tier. Swift was not. Or Najee. It was Najee. I don't think you had Najee in there. Either, no. either. Right, but that was but but that was only a non PPR for Dave right. with Chubb, Acres, and Harris. That was not in full PPR, um, and that's what you were giving, right? Full PPR, Heath. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay, then what's our second tier? I I think I hate to do this to the, the non PPR people, but if I jump around between yeah. 
the two formats. They're just going to be saying the same names. It's going to be very confusing. So we're going to stick with full PPR. Dave, your second PP, your second tier in full PPR. Six names. Chubb, Akers, Harris, Mixon, Gibson, and Swift. These are all running backs that I think are worth a round two pick in PPR. And you've Almost separated by round. Yeah, almost exactly the same guys for me, except I have that, there was one name I had in tier one that Dave didn't. I found out by listening to that list. It was Nixon. Um, so, but I would, I have the same number. All the guys Dave said, Akers, Swift, Harris, Gibson. I also put Carson in that tier there as well. Okay, so let's have a little Joe Mixon debate. Heath, you've got him in tier one, Dave in tier two. Heath, go ahead. Yeah, I just, I think. It's going to be a Bengals team that probably scores as many touchdowns as any that Mixon has played on. So his like that's one of the things that's kept him from being an elite tier one running back is a lack of elite touchdown scoring. He'll have a better chance at that this year. And he has a better chance at the targets required because Geo is finally gone. I've been as big of a team Geo guy as there is. And he was a he was a major problem for Mixon over the last three years. If Mixon stays healthy, I think he's a top ten running back. Sure, but we also we have talked up Joe Mixon I, and it, every yeah. single year. I think that's the difference because the past three years I haven't. Okay. I've said I don't think he's a first round running back. Geo, 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 mm-hmm. and so now Geo's gone, and so now I'm I'm I have no buyer's remorse with Joe Mixon. I could see. I know they're talking about using Mixon more, and I agree. I think he's. They've got no choice but to use him more in passing situations, but. I know that they like Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, Chris Evans is an interesting running back that they drafted. He could be a passing downs guy for them. And I'm a little bit worried about two things. One, I'm a little bit worried about them running Mixon into the ground, or they. I'm worried about them being worried about running Mixon into the ground and giving him too much work and wanting him to stay upright because of what happened last year. So maybe they do take a little bit of work away from him. But I, I I still bet he's the two minute drill running back, which is what Geo was last year. I bet he earns that role this year. The other thing I'm worried about is that they just realize, hey, Burrow is our offense. We've got this great rookie receiver. We've got another second year receiver who's awesome and, and in great shape. We've got Tyler Boyd, who's a good veteran. We're we're gonna let this thing rest on Burrow. And so maybe there won't be as many weeks where Mixon's in that 20 touch range. And he could be closer to 15. And then last year, you, everybody remembers how slow of a start he got off to. And then he had that Jacksonville game, and he was amazing. He was a monster. But that was Jacksonville. This is still a team that's playing in the same division as Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. We think the Browns' defense is going to be better. It is not an easy schedule. I talked about that on Monday's podcast. I, I'm, I'm a little worried about Joe Mixon reaching the upside that some people are painting for him. That's why he's in my second tier. He's really had an interesting career. It's easy to forget at this point is 2018 was terrific. That was his second season. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry. He was on pace for over 1,300 rushing yards and 49 catches. And that was with Gio, you know. I don't know if Gio played a full season, but still he was on pace for 49 catches and 338 yards. You're talking about like a 1,700-yard season on pace for that. Uh, or averaging over 100 yards per game, let's just say that. That was terrific. 2019, his first eight games stunk. His second eight games were great, but I believe he led the NFL in carries in that stretch, so that helped him. And then uh, 2020, 
you just talked about it. It was basically one good game. Um, so I, I don't really know. I, I know there are a lot of people, if you go on Twitter and follow a bunch of fantasy football analysts, it seems like there's someone always posting about how great Joe Mixon is and they need to give him the ball. But I don't know. I, we just haven't really seen. We have seen it, but we've also seen a lot of bad. So I don't really get I, it with him. Yeah, I like. I think obviously last year he played six games, so it's hard to take too much from that. The two prior years, he was. I mean, he was basically Chris Carson, which I think is a a, uh, a compliment, compliment. But yeah, yeah um, but he's a borderline number one running back while sharing with Geo, and I don't think he's going to share as much as he did with Geo. So, Dave, how come you don't have Chris Carson in your second tier, which I think would be the probably the norm? So Heath. Uh, we'll talk about why he does have him, but why do you not have Carson in your second tier? I'm nervous about him regaining the form that we saw more than from last year. His track record's fine. His short yardage goal work, goal line work is fine. I'm worried about the wear and tear. I'm worried about the workload. And his carries per game took a huge hit last year. He lost seven carries per game. He's had just four of 12 with 15-plus carries uh, and seven with 15-plus touches. That was just last year. And he, he, he's been like a 50% consistent running back in fantasy. I think he's good enough to call a number two fantasy running back. I just can list a bunch of other running backs. I think have a chance to do better than 15 plus fantasy points in 50% of the games. It's weird that he only gets 15 fantasy points in 50% of the games. Cause he's basically averaged 15 fantasy points per game. Each of the last three, very seasons. close to it. That's true. Uh, um, and he's like maybe inconsistent on a weekly basis, but every year he finishes as a top 12 to 15 running back on a per game basis. And I don't think Rashad Penny's any good. And DJ Dallas didn't look like anything special. And Alex Collins is the other competition. So I, I, I think you're going to see him be a feature back as much as Seattle is going to have one. And the carries were down a little bit last year, but, I mean, it's partially because he had a game where he had five carries and only played 18% of the snaps. And in his first game back, he only had eight. He basically averaged 16 touches, 17 touches a game at the end of the year and then had 17 in the playoffs. So I just, I think there's not really much reason to think Chris Carson's going to be anything other than what he's been each of the last three years, which is a high-end number two, borderline number one running back question though because you're you're right he's in like the robert woods range remember i gave that stat a few weeks ago robert woods has never finished lower than like wide receiver 20 but never higher than what i don't know he's been basically 10 to 20 or mm -hmm. something like that carson is right you're he's in that range in non-ppr i think he's been a top 14 per game in full ppr top 16 per game three years in a row but if you're taking him and you don't have to take him in the second round i mean i think we all love him at the end of the third round right no Oh, no? Okay. No, Heath. I'm round four. Okay. Uh, Heath and I probably love Carson at the end of the third round. Um, but are you worried, Heath, that you might be passing up on someone who has big upside, season-changing upside for a safe, reliable Chris Carson? Yeah. This is something that we talk about a lot throughout the offseason. There are guys who have never done what Chris Carson has done. They're the mystery bucks. They could be anything. They could even be Chris Carson. Or they could be much better than Chris Carson. Or they could be much worse, again, like they like they were in the past. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, like, yes, there are probably guys, although 
by ADP, I don't think there's probably anyone going behind Chris Carson, who I think definitely has more upside than him. I don't, what do we think Chris Carson's upside is? Yeah. Like RB 12. Right. So the best Chris Carson's ever done is the best Chris Carson could do, but that's a good question. Him could be better than ever. Do you think he has more upside than, than what he has been? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the year he had in 2019, he missed a game, had 1500 total yards and only scored nine touchdowns. He also had an expanded role in the in the passing game last year. So maybe if he stays healthy, then maybe you could have a surprisingly great year. Okay, it's he's another Seahawk that just got off to an amazing start last year. Like go back and look at his first five games from last year. He averaged almost twenty PPR points per game, and then he got hurt, and then uh, he had some good games toward the end of the year. But you, if you look at weeks fifteen through seventeen, I think he was no better than ten PPR points in any of those games. Well, well right. he played Washington and the Rams and the 49ers, and one of them was a Week 17 game. But True. yeah, if you look at his last five regular season games, 16 touches, 15 touches, 17, 19, and 13 touches for Chris Carson. You know that's not bad. That's you take your chances with that. It's not 20 touches, but it's probably about 16, 17 a game. So that Week 17 game is really throwing it off. All right. Anyway, I think we okay. That's Chris Carson. Let's move on. Um, why DeAndre- How many 100-yard rushing games did he have last year? Probably zero. How many 80-yard rushing games did he have last year? 80, 80 on the nose once, and he had once. three 70-yard games. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at total yards, you know? You can. How many 100 total yard games did he have last year? Three. Three and a 98-yard game. So almost four. Okay. Is that good? Bad? Out of out of really eleven games, that's pretty good. Um, it's not even half. Yeah, but th- he's not a first round pick. He's not even a second round pick. He, he's well, a, he I thought he third. was making the argument that he would be a, a third round pick. Yeah, I, don't I think, I think we can find other running backs in round three that can be more consistent than that. You, there are guys that you could hope will be. Yeah, I do. There are not guys who that's have why, been. That's why he's in the fourth tier. Okay. Uh, why DeAndre Swift for you guys ahead of Edward Zelayer and J.K. Dobbins? For me, it comes down to the receptions. I, I don't think I can take him ahead of those guys in non-PPR, but I st- I view him as a running back who can be used similarly to Austin Eckler. And I bring up Eckler because that's the running back that Anthony Lynn had for several seasons in L.A., and he was amazing catching the ball out of the backfield. And I know that Jamal Williams has good hands as well, but Swift proved last year that he could handle that role on top of other roles. He was good in short yardage situations. He could handle a decent-sized workload. And we're going to poo-poo the Lions offense and really the whole Lions team all preseason long. But the one thing they've got, the one thing they've got is an offensive line. They've got a (laughs) big O-line, and I suspect that they're going (laughs) to lean on that offensive line quite a bit. So that combined with the fact that I know that Swift can rack up those targets and receptions when the Lions are playing from behind and still get that short yardage work makes me it makes me interested in him, period. But I, I think I've said it before. I think there's 70 catches on the table for him in this offense. Mm-hmm. And that puts him in the, this group in PPR. Dave, was that the silver and blue something that you were saying? That's right. Yes. Okay, uh, that suffices for that. A one-win wonder. So (laughs) let's get our next tier here. For Dave, it does have Dobbins and Edwards-Elair. It's 
It's CEH, this is uh, tier three in PPR for Dave. CEH, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, and Miles Sanders. <sighs> Such disrespect for Chris Carson. He's in the next tier. Heath, who's in uh, your next tier? Uh, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Mike Davis, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins, and Miles wow. Gaskell. Okay, so we got CEH and Dobbins behind those guys. But they're in the same tier. So really, we should just focus on the tiers here. Because it's it's Mike Davis, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs, I think. Those were the three names. And obviously, Carson, we've already debated. So, yeah, Gaskin, Davis, and Jacobs that Heath has in the same tier as Edward Zelaer, Dobbins, Montgomery, and Sanders. Dave just has Edward Zelaer, Dobbins, Montgomery, and Sanders. He has Gaskin, Jacobs, and Davis in the next tier. Uh, Dave. Along with ETN and Kareem Hunt and PPR. And Carson, yeah. And Carson. All right, so what is it that separates to you Edward Zelaer, Dobbins, Montgomery, and Sanders from Gaskin, Jacobs, and Mike Davis? Upside. The chance to have 1,500 total yards, 10 touchdowns, and 50 catches. Now, I don't think I don't think Dobbins. I don't, I don't think we can look at Dobbins. And I, I'm not sure we can look at Sanders anymore and say that about the catches. But I, I think that they, all four of these running backs, have potential to come through in a big way. And Edwards Alaire, we kind of saw it at the beginning of last year. And then the team went and got Le'Veon Bell and they really limited just how much Edwards Alaire did for them. And then he got hurt. The offensive line was a mess. Now all that's been flipped around. Edwards Alaire has a good offensive line. There is no Le'Veon Bell. Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon are there. Uh, McKinnon profiles as if he makes the team a third down back and Williams will be there to kind of, pitch in here and there. I think Edward Zolaire can still be the main guy, and I think he could do better behind that improved offensive line. So I'm kind of encouraged by Edward Zolaire, and I don't mind taking him in that round 3-4 range. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that Dobbins catches more passes. I don't think it'll be much more, but talent's amazing. Um, he, he was definitely touchdown reliant toward the end of last year. Given the strengths of this Ravens offense, it wouldn't surprise me if he scored in 11 of 17 games this coming season and had a bunch of breakaway runs. So you kind of have to look at Dobbins as more of like, I'm taking him because he's in a run first offense and because he's an amazing talent and not necessarily lean on, well, I know he's going to get 18 touches per game, or I I believe he's going to see five targets a game. I don't think it's going to work that way with him. No, I think he's just going to have a lot of explosive plays and a lot of opportunities to score. He won't score every single touchdown on the ground for the Ravens. We know that Edwards is there, Jackson's there, but I think Dobbins does have that type of upside. Montgomery, I, I just I, I keep going back to him as a running back who does have potential to get the volume that we're looking for. He's definitely the goal line guy for Chicago. He averaged four and a half targets per game before he went on his big run at the end of this year and during his big run at the end of the year. So I'm comfortable projecting that was, him for that. That was much. why, but that was without Tariq Cohen. I don't know if Tariq Cohen's ready to go, and I'm not sure they're going to put him Cohen in a position to touch the ball enough to take four and a half targets per game. No. Well, I'm not saying he's going to have zero targets, David Montgomery, but I think, no, he had more than zero. No, I'm I'm not saying that Kareem Hunt, that Tariq Cohen is going to get all four and a half, but I'm just saying it. No, you know, he's the, uh, figures Cohen to be would a take factor. it away from other backs. Or other players, I should say, oh, okay. not necessarily even other backs. All right, all right. Let me get Heath in there. Heath, do you agree that 
Gaskin, Davis, and Jacobs don't have the upside of Edward Zelaer, Dobbins, Montgomery, and Sanders? No, especially in PPR, I don't with Dobbins. And I want to be clear, like talent-wise, I think Dobbins deserves to be in a different tier than this. Um, Non-PPR-wise, Dobbins deserves to be in a different tier than this. But I don't want to bet on him having a Mark Ingram-type efficiency in 2019. I think that's what he needs to have top 12 upside in full PPR. I think the most likely upside for him is right around running back 15 in full PPR. And I, I, We've talked about Gaskin and Davis so much in this regard, but we use these six-game sample sizes for Clyde at the beginning of the year, for Swift and Akers and Taylor at the end of the year. And Gaskin and Davis both had stretches that were every bit, if not as good. Davis had a six-game stretch where he was on pace for 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 80 catches. Gaskin had a seven- or eight-game stretch where he averaged 100 total yards per game. And their current teams have supplied very little in the way of competition for touches. I think Tariq Cohen is a bigger threat than Kadri Allison is. Or... Hawkins, JVN Hawkins, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, or Cordero Patterson. Now, maybe they'll go add somebody that's a bigger threat th- threat than Tariq Cohen. But I think what Davis did last year behind an offensive line that's going to be worse than the one he plays behind this year. Gaskin probably last year behind an offensive line is going to be worse than the one he played behind this year for a different reason, just because they've had a year to mature and and grow together. That's going to be the Dolphins' line will be better. Oh, right. right, yeah, better than it was last year. Yep. So I yep. think the and I think the Falcons line will be better than what the Panthers line was last year. Okay. And, yep. and Davis has some of the comparisons to what like we can look at his efficiency from last year and say he was bad like we did with David Montgomery the year before. But then we also have the missed tackles and the elusiveness that says actually Mike Davis was good. And I just think there's a chance that if this Falcons offensive line is decent, it's not going to be as run heavy as it was with the Titans and Arthur Smith. But I think Arthur Smith's probably more run heavy than Dirk Cutter was. And so there's a real mm. chance, I, I I think, for 1,400 yards for Mike Davis. Man, I think so much has to work out for Mike Davis to to hit that type of a number. And I, I, I'm not ready to say that Arthur Smith is going to be that much more focused on running the football than Dirk Cutter was. Cutter definitely, I mean, Cutter had reasons to get away from the run last year. He had well, nothing. He would have killed to have Mike Davis in his backfield last year. I think year. Cutter historically is one of the most pass-heavy coordinators in football. Sure, but he's also found running backs that he's leaned on and thrown to as well. And he, I don't think he had anything. I think he, he kind of quit on the running back room that he had in Atlanta last year. And I can't blame him for it. They weren't very good. And obviously, that's a group that the Falcons coaching staff, the new Falcons coaching staff, didn't feel great about either because they moved on from Edo. Brian Hill's on a different team. They brought in Mike Davis. They brought in Cordell Patterson. They brought in two rookie running backs. So that they're refreshing that room as well. Davis has the opportunity. The thing that scares me is that he's 28 years old. He's coming off a career year that wasn't that great of a year. He had a decent amount of work. Those first three games were outstanding. Um, but you, you separate the first three games of his 2020 from the last 10 his PPR points were cut in ha- more than half. His target rate was down a huge amount. Uh, his efficiency went way down. It looked to me like unless he was playing significantly hurt, he wasn't nearly as good. And I think his fantasy managers from last year will remember, oh, he was awesome for those first three games that he started in place of McCaffrey. 
And then he just really wasn't that good. His matchups were tougher, Dave. His matchups were a lot tougher. And and his workload went down. And maybe that was just a byproduct of the Panthers realizing that they needed to throw more and that they did throw more. I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure the Falcons are going to be in a lot of situations this year where they're going to want to or have to throw because their defense isn't that good. And I'm not I'm not ready to guarantee that Mike Davis is going to be dominant with the touches and the playing time. 70% of the playing time? I don't know if he's necessarily going to get that there. But this is a tier where we don't know that. Like this, like we don't... What Dobbins tier number are we on? Because I thought we were on the third tier. And we're on Dobbins, Clyde, Montgomery. Yeah, oh my God. But to me, it's a no-brainer that those guys are going to be in a much better position than Davis. And I think it's a no-brainer that those guys are better players than Davis. For sure. Dobbins is probably going to play 45 to 50% of the snaps, though. No, I bet he plays... Well, I don't think he's going to play 70% of the snaps either. I think that's fair to say. But I think he'll be way more efficient than Mike Davis. I bet he gets more touchdown opportunities than Davis, too. I think if Davis were a better player, you'd have him in a different tier. Davis. Yeah, not to mention younger. I, I, if Davis were a better player, he wouldn't be getting this first opportunity to be a lead back week one for a team at 28 years of age. But I'm not... Yeah, but... Yeah, I just don't know that the opportunity is that much different. I just think that you don't have as much confidence in him delivering. No, I don't have the, that close in non PPR. But I think Davis probably catches fifty to sixty more passes than Dobbins. He averaged eight point three targets per game in the first three games of twenty twenty. This is after McCaffrey got hurt, and in his last ten, and we're taking out the game where McCaffrey came back and got hurt and left three point seven targets per game. I know, but cut in more than half. Yeah, it just. Was that because they had a better option in Curtis Samuel, and that doesn't necessarily exist in uh, in Atlanta? No, I'm just not sure. Um, I mean, like a, a behind the line of scrimmage option. Yeah, is Cordero Patterson that guy? Could he be that guy? I don't know. I know we don't want to think. Let's about go that. on. I don't think he's Let's 100 targets, here. but. Dave's fourth tier, and this is probably the last tier. This is the question I asked at the start of the show. Uh, the last tier before there's a big drop-off. Carson, Gaskin, ETN, Jacobs, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt. You already know that Heath has Carson, Jacobs, and Davis. And Oh, yeah, Carson, Gaskin, Jacobs, and Davis. Four of the six players in this tier of Dave's higher. So, Heath, what does this tier look like for you? I guess I would go a pretty short tier, Hunt, ETN, and Edmonds. Oh, okay, Edmonds moves up there. I think these are probably the part-time player tier. The part-time players that have immense upside. If things go their way, if a teammate gets hurt. Just those three players, ETN, Hunt, and, and Chase Edmonds? I mean, we could say that about other running backs, but these guys have... I mean, if, if Nick Chubb ceased to exist, Kareem Hunt and Heath will attest to this would be in the first tier, no problem. If James Robinson ceased to exist, ETN would probably be in no farther down than the third tier. Not the second tier. And if James Conner didn't exist, Edmonds would be at least one tier higher. Like if it's clearly Chase Edmonds getting all the work in Arizona, man, sign me up for that. I'd, he'd be at least one tier higher. Uh, okay. So this, you know, 24 ish running backs, how many of them do you want on your team at the point that we're in round five and six here? How many of them do you want on your team at this point? How many running backs overall do I want? Or no, from this from, specific from, tier? No, from tier one through tier four, wherever we're at now. 
So I'm through six rounds. How many running backs would I like to have on my team? Three, at least. And I'm I might agnostic. have done it with my first three picks. What would you say, Heath? I'm agnostic. What is with this agnostic thing? You're the third analyst to say that on this show in the last week. I didn't hear the first two say it, but um, I'm sorry. I could try to think of a different word. I <laughs> yeah, just, is that like a new thing <laughs> in the fantasy industry? On, it depends He's on how... He's not willing to commit. He's non-committal. Yeah. Okay. I could envision a situation where I had a team with zero of these running backs, and I really, really liked it. All right, we can take a break then. Before we take a break, I do want to remind you that tonight, Tuesday night, we're having some fun. We're playing poker and talking football. What could be better? I'm going to try to eat an unhealthy snack while we do this. It just feels like uh, feels like I need to bring, you know, something like Cheetos to the poker football talk. Um, but join us on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. That's actually two, the orange fingers would be... I think it would be a bad idea. It would get all over your laptop. Yeah, we don't want that company laptop. Tuesday, 7 p.m., it is courtesy of Faded Spade. And Faded Spade helps nonprofits fundraise. Their next high-profile virtual poker tournament is supporting Charity Bomb on July 29th. And that is featuring rock stars from Alice in Chains, All-American Rejects, and more. So join us at YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football today. Tuesday night, 7 p.m., watch some poker, ask us some football questions Subscribe to our channel, and we will see you on YouTube tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. All right, taking a break and talking about the Raheem Mosterts, Michael Carters, James Robinsons of the world, and then and then beyond, the Devin Singletary's, the Giovanni Bernard's, uh, the uh, Naeem Hines of the world. <laughs> we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the running back tiers. We've gone through four tiers, basically, about 25 running backs or so. Uh, we're into maybe round seven or so in average draft position, and these are our point-per-reception, PPR tiers. Dave's fifth tier. Go for it. Michael Carter, Raheem Mostert, James Robinson, Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds is in this tier for me, and Leonard Fournette brings up the rear. So a lot of running backs, most of these running backs, I think we can look at and confidently say they're going to share. Um, but again, perfect world where a guy on their team um, goes on vacation and decides to retire, they're going to jump up a tier or two. Or if a veteran, and you know, in the case of Denver, Melvin Gordon gets cut, doesn't make the team. Well, the, the rocket ship will go off for Javante Williams in a big way. But all these things can also happen in season where Melvin Gordon gets hurt or Trey Sermon doesn't meet expectations early on and Raheem Mostert 
takes off or same thing with ETN. And that helps James Robinson. All these guys, you could look at them and say, all right, if one thing goes their way, they've got a path to being at worst a number two fantasy running back that you'd start against anybody every single week. Okay, Heath, so it was Carter, Mostert, James Robinson, Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds, Leonard Fournette. This is the place where rankings and projections really kind of diverge. Because, like, if I'm just telling you how I have these guys projected, it's as things are in their current situations. And it's that doesn't really emphasize upside enough once you're past the top 25 or 30. Um, but I, I have Mostert as the very next player in the projections, followed by Jamal Williams, Kenyon Drake, David Johnson, and Melvin Gordon would be my next four. Okay, but that you said Jamal Williams. Yes. But that's not how you're drafting it, right? Well, you, it would be silly to draft Jamal Williams in round seven when he's right. available in round nine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't or draft later. based on our rankings if you know that ADP says you can get them two rounds later. So... Okay, but your day of your tier makes sense. And Carter, Mostert, Robinson, Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, these are my is, round seven targets. One thing goes right, and and it could be. I think a, a like huge there's a, I think there's it's notable the names that are missing from that tier, like who that aren't in there. Uh, Damian Harris. Yeah, you'd think that Harris would be in there for me after how I went hog wild for him last year, right? Well, and it seems like he's getting more and more positive pub. Um, they, there's lots of talk that he's just going to be the guy I've tried to kind of boost him up a little bit more. I think this is a spot where you could find, um, did you say Trey Sermon? I did not. He's in the next tier. Trey Sermon and then the Buffalo running backs as well. And I've got Moss in the next tier. So what is it about Carter, Mostert, Robinson, Javante, Edmonds, and Fournette that makes them in a tier above James Conner, David Johnson, Trey Sermon, Melvin Gordon, Zach Moss, and Kenyon Drake. I feel like they, I, I feel like fantasy managers can be a little more confident in those players starting them, at least in the beginning of the season. And I also think fantasy managers can look at it, especially in the case of the rookies, as guys that if you have to start them early on in the year, okay, you'll do it. But by Halloween, they could be in a position where you'll be glad you took them in round seven. Okay. Um, all right. So your tier eight. I don't know, Heath. Do you want to give tiers, or do you want to just chime no, in? No, I think I think it's instructive because the next, like, if we want to do another tier, I've got something like sixteen running backs within fifteen points of each other at this point. So, like, in a projections tier system, you're you can put those guys in the same tier, and then you're sorting them in for drafting by both ADP and what you perceive their upside to be. Which players do you tend to gravitate toward? Um, well, I think the, uh, Singletary is somebody that falls so far that I end up with him a lot. Um, I've actually got Damian Harris in the next tier at the very top of it. Um, Trey Sermon is in there. Zach Moss is in there. This is where I have Carter and Javante Williams. I just like those two. I don't know that they have 15 touch per game upside. They didn't like, I'm always leery of guys that were part-time backs in college going into the NFL and becoming full-time backs, especially for Carter on a team that I just don't think is going to be very good either. Probably depend on his passing downs role. If he can get some cheap fantasy points in that regard, but that would help in PPR. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I think he can get it. I think I think he can catch a lot of passes. Why? A lot, a lot being like forty. You've got He's Leonard a terrible Fournette. Pass blocker. You've got terrible Leonard Fournette two tiers ahead of Ronald Jones. I do. I just think that Fournette gets the first crack at it. And again, it's flexible. We don't know what's going to happen in training camp and who's going to look better. Who runs with the ones when the ones play in the preseason? If the ones play in the preseason, but Leonard Fournette ended the year really strong for the Bucks, and he can line up back there, and the Bucks can run any play. I don't think they're confident enough in Ronald Jones to run a play where he's running a route or blocking. I don't think he, I don't think they're going to put him in that position anymore, and that means that that's a tell for the defense. And I, teams don't like giving tells to the defense. And see, I, I've got those two in this, what would be this next monster tier, but I don't have them set. Like they're separated by two spots in my projections. And the guy directly behind them is Gio Bernard. And that's the one I think that determines if either of them can be an exciting fantasy player. Because if Gio Bernard was a Tom Brady, go get this guy, I like what he does in the passing game. And Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are taking mm-hmm. turns in Bruce Arians' doghouse, then you just don't want a Tampa Bay running back. Couldn't there be a situation that plays out where Geo becomes the lead back for the Bucks, and it wouldn't surprise you at all, Heath? I think you could certainly what? see Geo not the lead back. No. Oh, I think could it could see happen. Geo as the James White. Geo as the that, best back. Yes, yes, yes. Like I think that's where he starts. I think he's the James White, and maybe he does end up being the best in PPR. But if Fournette stinks. And Jones can't play on third downs. And Gio, we've seen it from him before in the past when he gets opportunities to start. He's good. Uh, okay. It, we sure as hell didn't see it last year when they were going with like Samaj P. Ryan over him. Uh, Ronald Jones, when he gets the opportunity, he's good. He, he was last like, year, yeah. Yeah, damn good. Until he made mistakes I and see, then he wasn't. I would be shocked if Giovanni Bernard just won the job basically no 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 no, no. that's he was james white no no i wouldn't be shocked if you were james white but if he, he was, was james a white, that's where i think he starts the year are miserable right. yeah well yeah one of the right you can't have two guys splitting running downs and not getting the third down work that just that does not work right but what if it's a situation where it's geo and fournette splitting the rushing downs work and geo playing third downs which running back would you rather have Oh, Geo. Well, no, not if Fournette gets all the goal line work, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think format would matter a little bit here, too. And non-PPR, I think it would be a no-brainer that Fournette, even if he doesn't see as much playing time, would be the better option for fantasy. But in full PPR, I think it could be Geo. And it would absolutely be Geo if we're comparing Geo to Ronald Jones. And Fournette's the one who dissolves into the matrix. Well, you're talking to someone who's pretty agnostic when it comes to... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pass catching running backs. I just think that they have to have such outlier seasons or they're never going to be able to trust them to start. For, for the late pick that it'll take to put Geo on your bench, I, you shouldn't think twice about it, especially you if you're think, just trying to compile running back You should absolutely depth. think twice about it. How many rounds do you have to have before you're taking Giovanni Bernard? Minimum 10, maybe even more. Maybe 11, round 11, round 12. That's when I'm thinking about Geo. How about you, Heath? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm not well. reaching for Geo in like round eight or round oh, nine. What's his ADP? Like 200 or something? So He's I, still available I, I in get, my fishbowl. I get very... More in round 16. When I... 
when I'm on the show and I'm so far off from you guys, I, I don't really want to give the opinion because I just, you know, I think the people should listen to you. But he's not even on my draft list because I, I just, again, like, they have so many great receiving options. I don't see him being the James White. Who was your last pick in Scott Fishbowl? My most recent pick, round 14, was T.Y. Hilton. Okay, well, that was better pick than Gio. I yeah, I, well, this is a half PPR league, Scott Fishbowl, right? That's true. Uh, so yeah. I'm only, a pass-catching running back, not even going to draft him in a half PPR or a non-PPR league. Only full PPR. Oh, you're going if you if you cross Geo off your draft board and make 22 picks in the Scott Fishbowl, you picks are going is, to take five <laughs> players that are worse than Geo Bernard. See, I would rather take Marlon Mack. I would rather take any running back who is one injury away from being much better than Giovanni Bernard, because I don't think Giovanni Bernard is an injury away from being that much better. I think he's two injuries away, and um, and especially in half PPR. And I would rather take, and this isn't going to work in the Scott Fishbowl because it's super flex and it's tight end premium, but I would rather in a regular draft gamble on a third quarterback who might have an incredible year or a third tight end who might come out of nowhere. I, I just, I, that's just my philosophy. A strictly pass catching running back just doesn't do it for me. They have to have such an outlier season. And then I guarantee you the next year they're going to be completely overdrafted. That's a guarantee. But, Hence why I qualified it with. If you want to build running back depth with late picks, we're all looking for late round running backs. All of us are. But that's this not is the a kind guy, of guy. This that, is a guy who might be able to give you something in full PPR. Yes. Yes. With upside to give you something in every league. What, that's, I guess, the question is Does Giovanni Bernard have that upside? Does Naeem Hines have that let's, upside? Let's just, okay, what do we, what, let's say um, 80th percentile outcome. So we won't get too crazy. Okay, so not like the absolute, but the a very very good outcome for Geo in full PPR, and he plays a full season is probably fifteenth at running back. That's what I would say. It would be like fifty catches, a hundred and seventy five carries, and he just he finds the end zone six times, and it would have to be more than fifty catches. Yeah, I think it might be like it would 80. have to be seventy to eighty catches for him to be RB fifteen. Yeah, so I guess I'm saying that he won't be RB15. But what he might be is an RB that fills in during bye weeks but he's or talking about comes 80%. into more work by the time you get to November. But we're talking about upside. Heath is giving the upside, the best case scenario, basically. The 80th I mean, percentile scenario. Like, I don't... Th- I think it's better... His best case scenario is better than what we got out of J.D. McKissick last year. J.D. McKissick scored three touchdowns. Sure. Yeah, right. And James White... James White was was actually a pretty good touchdown score. I like I know full season. It, yell at me, it's fine. But JD McKissick finished RB seventeen. Naheem Hines was RB eighteen. Yeah, but Chase but, Edmonds was RB twenty five. But was there right? Edmonds is a good example because Edmonds was more of a consistent week to week, bi week replacement kind of flex. You know, get you eight to twelve Save points. for the one week when he like yeah, was yeah. the lead guy. Right? Right. right, he was the kind of guy that if you were really in a pinch in a PPR league, you put in Chase Edmonds, you take your fantasy points. You know you're not going to have something huge, but you know you're not going to get a zero. You know you're not going to get a four, right? Whereas McKissick, I feel like it was a little more concentrated. He had a really good stretch, uh, and then he kind of faded. I think, if I recall, I, I don't have his game log in front of me. Um, yeah, you're right. But yeah, you know, like was Naeem Hines really an impactful player? Was he really an RB two for the full season? We all know he wasn't. 
No, he was an RB3, but he actually averaged more PPR points per game than McKissick. Um, yeah, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, McKissick, you knew you could start him. You had this stretch where you knew what his role was. I think Hines had a stretch like that early in he, the year. No, he had a stretch like that at the end of the year. At the end? He had at least 10 PPR points in one, two, three, four, five of his last six games. The problem was is that he maxed out at 12 in five of those six games. Nobody was starting him then, were they? No, I mean, no I one was excited it, about him then. Right, exactly. The only people who were starting him were people who were just decimated by injuries at running back. They needed somebody who could get them something. He was getting, he was getting five to eight at most carries per game. And then like three, four catches. He had six catches in week 17, two carries. Sure. So I think that is what Gio could be. Right. I think Gio could be That's a PPR running back that gets you between 10 and 15 yeah, points. Not drafting that. Oh, no. You well, draft that, that late if you need that type of safety net. That might be more true also if you're typically playing in leagues with one flex. That what? That I'm not drafting him? Yes. Yeah. If I have to start um, more players, then yeah, my obviously my standards drop. But I, I don't think like Naheem Hines. I don't think was was dropped by a lot of people last year. I think he was used as a flex. Oh, I bet he might have been. I can tell you. What, what, okay, give me a week. I'll tell you what his start was. What his roster percentage was. His Let's roster go. percentage. Yeah, how what we used to call owned. How owned I, his well, ownership. Well, there's percentage. like he went into his bye week seven. I'd like to know what his roster share percentage was coming out of that bye week. Oh, isn't that a little... That was also the only, like, one of two weeks all season where he didn't have a carry. All right, how about about after... How about... (laughs) He had five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown in week 10. Why don't we see what his roster percentage and his star percentage was in week 11? All right, I'll look that up. You guys talk more about the the lottery tickets. Uh, Well, no, we know what they are, right? They're, They're guys who need an injury. But Dave, you do have some interesting names here. Tevin Coleman is a lottery ticket. Damian Harris, who I think Heath sees is a little bit differently. Um, Tevin Coleman, Devin Singletary. Do they have enough upside to really warrant a draft pick? Tevin Coleman, Singletary in particular. or sh- And Jamal Williams. Let's throw him in there too. If there is an injury, do they really become must-start guys or, or, or what? You talk about Jamal Williams, Tevin Coleman, and Devin Singletary. Absolutely, in the case of Williams and Singletary. Those guys would be primary backs for their respective teams. They would be in a position to catch a decent amount of passes each week. I would expect at least three catches from each of them uh, if, if given the opportunity. And a lot of work to go with it. And, yeah, even in the case of Singletary, I th- well, I don't know if I can say it for Singletary, but definitely Williams would have short yardage and goal line. Singletary might get it if there's no Zach Moss. He might get opportunities. Let's put it that way. I don't know if he'll necessarily score on him because Allen could take him away. Coleman is the one that I'm not really comfortable with putting here. It's just he knows the system in New York. He's capable of running it. He's a running back that you can draft who might get you some cheap fantasy points at the beginning of the year. I think I think the first two or three games, he leads the way before Michael Carter takes over. And that's assuming that both of them look okay during the preseason. But I, I think I don't think anybody's excited to draft Tevin Coleman. He went way late in my fishbowl league. Not sure he's even worth a round 10 pick, and I've got him right in this tier. But it's it's a warm body who could get 15 touches through September. And then he might end up being somebody that you, you cut 
it might even be a spike cut. You might not, you might even like curse them out as you click the, the cut button in your fantasy league to get Tevin Coleman off your team. And you won't even care that much because it was a pick after hundredth overall. Yeah. I, I, um, I think Coleman's a pretty good value and I think I'd probably actually have him just a little bit higher, but I, like Dave, I agree. I think he's going to probably be the Jets starting running back week one is the current plan. Okay. I think he'll share with Carter week one. Well, yeah, somebody, some, somebody has to share with Carter. And I'll tell you, like, we, we, I've been making fun. I'll speak for myself. I've been making fun of the Jets for the last couple of years. On paper, their offensive line isn't that bad. The reports out of camp say that Zach Wilson is fitting in nicely. Don't you want him to stand out? Well, if he doesn't stand out when the they're Jets working out in shorts, that's a problem. <laughs> Fitting in with the Jets, it's not, not great. Okay, that's fine. But I, I think the Jets will be more. I th- certainly think they'll be more competitive than they've been. Yeah, and I think that that'll help their run game. It'll it'll give their offense a chance. But when I watch Wilson play, I felt like he was at his best when he was moving around and throwing short and mid range passes. And the mid range passes will be good for his receivers. I think the short range passes will be especially good for his running backs. Carter can do that. We've seen Tevin Coleman play okay as a receiver in the past. Again, he's he's like he's listed here for the zero RB truthers, for the people who are going to go like you said, Heath. The first six, and this is perfect for you. You said that you could see a scenario where you go with your first six picks in your agnostic drafting strategy without a running back, and when you get to round seven and beyond, all you want are running backs and get you off to a good start. Coleman will be on your list. Naeem Hines actually was rostered in about 90% of leagues and started in 50 to 70% for this. Toward the end of the year? I didn't look at the playoffs because those, you can't really, you know, most of the teams have been eliminated. But yeah, weeks like weeks 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, he was. I'm telling you, man, people, a, uh, people you, were desperate used. for running backs last year. Um, he was okay. absolutely roster worthy. Yes, he was. And he had some, you know, he had some decent weeks. He had some double-digit. I weeks. guess I'm just, I guess I'm just skeptical in terms of Geo that, you know, I know people want to make the James White comparisons, and that's great, but Tom Brady wasn't throwing to Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown. I hope to point. God he is not throwing to Giovanni Bernard as much as he was throwing to James White because that's going to be really bad for the wide receivers. Or Tom Brady is just going to as we said on the Monday show, uh, break every record and be QB1 or something like that. Yeah, because because even last year, when he was throwing to all those guys, they had 118 targets that went to running backs. Gotta love Bruce Arians, right? Just you do. keep throwing it. Okay, uh, final thoughts? Anything else? I wish we had time to get into Damian Harris a little bit more. I'm nervous about him. He, I, I don't see him being an every down back for the Patriots. And as long as Cam Newton is the quarterback there, I don't see him getting a lot of goal line chances. I think it's a good, really good discussion and uh, probably not something I like to have an hour and three minutes into a show. So we'll do it at the, uh, earlier in a different show later in the week. We've got wide receiver tiers, tight end tiers, and a mailbag coming up. Give us your Apple podcast questions, your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Fantasyfootball at cbsi, that's the letter I, dot com. For Dave and Heath, I am Adam. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Hey, Heath, when you go to brunch, would you say your strategy is agnostic? <laughs> <laughs>